Hello, this is Norma Sheehan from the Heal Your Hole podcast, asking you to heal my hole for a change. The hole in my pocket. It's just a small one-off payment, no subscriptions, takes 30 seconds to do apparently. So you need to follow the support this show link in the show description. And every payment increases my healing power. So I can continue to tend to your lazy holes, hairy holes, needy holes, itchy holes, money holes, smelly holes, arseholes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode number 49 of the Heal Your Hole podcast with myself, Norma Sheehan, where we have a look at all the various holes in your life, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial, comical, sexual, we give them all a good scene too. Last week we did Sexy Hole with Kate McGrew and she's a sex worker. She's also a director of the Sex Workers Alliance of Ireland and she's an artist. But her mission is to decriminalise sex work. So this is a very important campaign. So have a listen to that if you haven't already. And this week we are doing Dark Hole of the Events Industry with Buzz Scheitscher. Well, Buzz O'Neill. So we are 365 days into darkness in the events industry due to COVID. And Buzz O'Neill, he really is the pulse of events in Ireland, whether it is gigging, clubbing, raving, DJs, rocking festivals, president's visits, uh, Oscars, athletes, fashion shows, awards. He is at the heart of it all. Even if you're not from Ireland and you've come here and you've had a good time, you can probably thank Buzz that you had a good time. Like he would put pizzazz into the opening of an envelope. So we're going to speak to him now and get his views on the last shite year. Hello. Hello, would this be Mr. O'Neill? Twelve, dear. Twelve. Yeah, norm, normally I surprise people and I don't, um, I just call them out of the blue for my podcasts and I don't give them any warning. But um, you're like, you're, you no, you're royalty. So, um, so I said I'd uh, give you a bit of a heads I am, up. I am a queen, correct. You are a queen. Okay, so where did Buzz come out of then? Uh, school. A teacher nicknamed my brother and then me. And then my other brother, we were all called Buzz, and the rest of them grew up and got a life, and I didn't. Oh God, I thought I presumed it was drug related or like Toy Story. No, you were you're you're a bit older than Toy Story, aren't you? Stop. <laughs> Stop it. So go away. What teacher called you all Buzz? I can't remember what teacher it was now. But come here, do you think that made you live out your dream then? Because like when I think of Ireland and the Dublin nightlife and the events and festivals, you are the buzz, you are the heart and soul of the whole thing. Like, so it was quite apt, I suppose. Yes, it was something that, 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 that yeah, I think that's probably why it stuck. Yeah. OK. And how did you get from school then into running the, the entertainment industry in Ireland? <laughs> um uh, yeah, fell into it. Well, not fell into it. I mean, I absolutely knew I didn't want to go to college. Yeah. Um, and my parents were straight up brilliant about that. They were like, okay, do, what do you want to do? And I was like, yeah, if it's, you know, I was in a band. I was a music obsessed. I mean, I would, you know, from uh, as a teenager, go to every gig I could go to. And then when I moved out of home into my own place and lived in town, I mean, I was literally at gigs five, six nights a week. Um, and were you, and were you, were you performing as well? Like, were you good? 
I was in a band and we were we were okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, no, so I literally finished my leaving cert and started working in HMV in um, it was called Ticket Shop at the time, which yeah. eventually morphed into what was then Ticketmaster Ireland and then Ticketmaster of the World, whatever. Um, so it was a brilliant place to be uh, just there because you know you were at first point of contact with all the various different promoters in the country, and I suppose it was starting uh, starting then to start build up some contacts and stuff. And yeah. again, going to gigs kind of was well known around uh, the gig scene of, of Dublin. So yeah. uh, started to do little bits of PR, sort of. Yeah. Uh, would you wouldn't even call it PR, but just you know, hustling and hassling journalists for various mates' bands or bands you thought that were great. And yeah. um, I was always doing bits and pieces. And then my first kind of what you would call first. Full, okay, okay, have we got a, a, a name drop? Clanger sound. Ooh, I think. I, oh, totally. Right. Listen, I have an amazing editor. Right. I have an amazing yeah. editor on this. She'll, uh, she'll, yeah. she'll add anything you Let, want. Let's go. With the, let, let's start them now. Okay. So yeah. first one, Louis Walsh rang and just went, "How you have a job for you?" Wow. I knew Louis through various other friends. Yeah. Um, and it, he was just a friend of mine's opening up a, a nightclub in um, South Anne Street. Um, Louis like, I don't really get it. Blah, 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 blah. And um, I was really getting into dance music at that stage, kind of crossing over from my, my love of, of rock music and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Manchester thing was happening. Yeah. The kind of M25 London circuit rave thing was yeah. really, really... The buzz, the buzz, boy. Yeah, and it was really becoming, I can't say mainstream, but mainstream now, but it was crossing over. Yeah. And I was really getting into it. Lots of my mates were getting into it, kind of moving in a different sort of circle. And the job was a publicist, and the club was System, which used to be the old McGonagall's, which I grew up in. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, and it was Dublin's first proper commercial, I suppose, more commercial. Yeah. Was MCD around at that stage? Were you anything to do with them? No, no, no. no. I, I started working with MCD a long, 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 long time. way af- yeah. after that. So, uh, yeah, so, so the, the club thing got me into two strands, I suppose. One was that I was the publicist for a kick and dance club that was, you know, at the centre of a lot of Dublin's social scene at the time. All the new up-and-comer and bright young things were, were there and yeah. all of that. And it also, I, you know, I'd always been in and out of venues doing, you know, little jobs and bars and blah, blah. So it kind of straddled two things for me from hospitality and from a, a PR point of view. So mm. kind of when that, that club finished um, and I kind of went out on my own, start doing dance music PR full time, uh, yeah. you know, set up my own office, doing all that stuff. Uh, you know, at a brilliant time because, you know, we're talking about mid 90s towards the end um, yeah. you know getting a little contract deal with, with Virgin Records for Virgin in Ireland to do all their dance PR wow um, and just it was at a golden time you know you're talking about debut albums from Chemical Brothers Massive Attack Air Daft Punk oh, I literally Jesus. I was literally the first person to hand those records out to Irish DJs you know oh my god and they were all on that main label or on subsidiary labels um, so there was a lot of that going on and then you know, that brought me to attention of other people who became great friends and start doing PR for different club night promoters some of the small ones but for, for Influx and for Quadraphonic and um, people like that and then that well, that jumped ahead to 
um, to start doing the PR for Homeland with uh, the late John Reynolds for the, for the first uh, Homeland uh, on to then going, doing some PR for in-house full-time with MCD so did Creamfield so the whole dance thing was always you know mm. I, rem- I remember yeah. that and I remember the 90s going to you know I'd go down to the point to Left Field or Chemical Brothers or whatever like that yeah. when I was in college it was just yeah, it was everything yeah it was an amazing time and I, I think right, rightfully I think we're a, little, we're a little too early to do reminisce but you know when you talk about big genres of music and from, you know from Elvis and the Beatles and then punk rock and yeah. uh, you know and, and whatever I think I think rightfully we, we will look back very fondly on dance music well and, fuck and it we, we, we have to, world. we have to look back now we're so bloody miserable um, just before I get into the last uh, 365 days of hell so 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 then you after with Homelands Creamfield did you yeah, always promoting yeah. running my own some my own club nights and stuff on the gay scene um, you know I'd come out of the closet at the time 1999 very late of a 29 almost 30 year old um, still brave still brave though it wasn't you know no it wasn't you know and that, that's a huge thing that I'd, I'd struggled with my entire life you know I knew I was gay when I was 11 you yeah, know yeah and I hit that and I hit that for, for as I said for, for, for to people I was like you know I, I've known I don't know I was gay longer than you or straight I didn't know what you know I knew yeah. what straight was by people, other people's definition but yeah. yeah I was in the I was in the closet for 18 years how many know? years are you married now that that great day out there uh, we are five years married now five Look. years just gone at Christmas and yeah. you haven't killed each other during lockdown or anything oh listen you'll ask about him you know he's yeah. been the rock Absolutely, yeah. he's kept this shit show on the road. Yeah, you know? and the dog, of course, Eric. And you know, and we have our child, our small pony child, Eric O'Neill Maxwell. Um, <laughs> he's a fifty-two kilo German Shepherd. He oh still thinks he's a five kilo, six-month-old puppy, and he still jumps up on your on your knee for a cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was brought up on a farm now, so I think animals are harder than children. So my hat goes off to you there. Well, listen, he's, but he's, he's, he's kept us going, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, to finish your question, yeah, so I start running, you know, club nights and stuff um, on the gay scene while doing more of my own event work freelancing then. So, you know, freelancing was the key for me so I could, as an event manager, go and work for any promoter, any event. And, you know, that's <laughs> ended up working on some of the most craziest celeb select parties to you know football and stuff that 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 I'm but that I'm mad about and then on the other side of the business then you know the club nights I've got three different club nights and they are all weekly monthly sell out shows you know holy shit like you were also though you'd also have your fingers in the pies of everything from oxygen because the dance scene is there but then you'd also um like your family run the Oscar Wilde party in LA as well for how many years I love you saying my family run the Oscar Wilde party. It sounds like my ma's in the kitchen making funds <laughs> for for JJ Abrams. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, so side by side of all of this and, and through a completely different route, my sister uh, Deirdre in LA uh, has her own event company. We both ended up in the same business, a completely different uh, routes. So yeah, so one, one of her clients is the uh, US Ireland Alliance. Uh, so. Deirdre produces that and I'm an assistant producer with her on that I'd go there and help her uh, production producing some of her bigger uh, events so yeah so that's gone wow is that 
13 years now 14 14 was 14 years I think yeah well you, I, yeah. Ki- I kindly stuck my uh, big nose in the door of a few of those events thanks to yourselves Ireland week then as well is that gone quiet or is that still yeah yeah so then Ireland week was, was set up separately to everything else me and Deirdre do Miss and Deirdre uh, set up Ireland week so it's uh, www.irelandweek.com our tagline is connecting modern Ireland and we're about arts culture trade business industry uh, civic life celebrating all of those ties between Ireland and, uh, well, obviously the United States, but particularly Los Angeles and, and California. So we have done three of them. We should have been four in 2020. Yeah, we've had some great, we've been amazing. We have music showcases, we have theatre um, readings, one-offs. We have a, a business conference called Ireland Con. Yeah. We have comedy nights, poetry, hurling on the beach, Irish dancing on Santa Monica Pier, oh uh, a, a film festival. Uh, yeah, it's grown It's grown crazily up, up to last year where we did, I keep saying last year, the year before. So the last time we did it where we had, we had 16 events over uh, eight days and uh, we are going to do at least a hybrid version of it uh, this November, which yeah. might be live, sort of as live, with, with reduced uh, audience numbers um, in LA and in Dublin, where we broadcast back and forward. It'll work out well. It'll help us reach a, a bigger audience, I think, yeah. um, globally, and also um, a pool of talent in Dublin that we can't bring out to California. And, and you know, I That's think it, it'll lead to a lot better talent on panels and that sort of. Yeah, you could even you and, could even get people from Cork, like. Even Cork, yeah. <laughs> Let's not push it, chicken. Let's not push it. I'm kind of tired from the stuff you've just listed off. I know you started working straight after school. Yeah. But like, have you ever slept a night? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, you know, the you know, you sleep well and you're dead. But yeah. you know, I just keep going. Yeah, I, I have to have a million things on the go, which is why the last year has been okay. incredibly hard. How, hard. how is your, because like I try to keep buzzing. I've had many as a flat week and months in the last year. But how does someone like you cope? Someone who's 24-7, buzz, 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 go, 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 event management, constantly creative. Mm-hmm. How does someone like you cope in the last year? Wow, I don't know that I have this the straight uh, honest you know answer there's been been some pretty shit times, some pretty bad days, bad weeks and here's the thing that I think I've learned. I knew that I just had a full year and let's face it look it's looking like a full eighteen months now at this stage yeah. if I knew I had a full eighteen months just off right yeah. and, I had, and that would be I think it'd be amazing to to have that break and have that downtime and do other things and know I was going to go back to something. You know, basically what I'm getting at is if I was financially secure to be able to do that, I would. Yeah. What has made the last year incredibly hard is that I haven't and it was forced on me and I have the layer running under this of all of the stress and the anger and the disappointment and everything that has brought us, you know, to our door in the last year. You know, if I wasn't getting so 
absolutely wound up about ineptness from government reaction to other people and selfishness and maybe I'd be handling it a bit, you know. So every so often I will just get myself so bloody wound up and I just have to take a step back and, you know, it was, it was a time last summer and I just was like, right, I even deactivated Facebook account, did no social media, looked at absolutely nothing for like a full month and it was great because it wasn't even that it was just all bad news, it was just all conflicting news, you know. It was yeah. just, you just didn't know what was going on. I just think that our government's reaction, if you want to piece it together week by week, month by month, and I'm sure there'll be many studies and all sorts done on it when this is over, when you actually look at the litany of failures from this government, it's just shocking. You know, and it'll, it is their rally cry and it will be their supporters' defence of them. And it's just like, oh, well, this is uncharted territory and yeah. it, no one could ever predict this and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What we do as citizens is elect people that are competent to govern the country. Not in the way in Ireland where we elect people to be politicians. So what I'm getting at is just that you go through your stages of being a politician from, you know, and Ireland's the classic student politics, local council, TD. That's your three steps. And when you get into government, your aim is backbencher and then you become a minister. And if you seek higher office, that's fine. But what they do as politicians is just do political stuff, the drudgery of, you know, political life. And that's fine. But when the chips are down and the shits hit the fan, we want leaders. We want people to stand up there. And, and then you realise, she's a goddamn, she's an incompetent fool. Yeah. What the hell did we elect them for? And what country do you see getting it right? That's another thing that's also pissed me off. I have really hated the compare and contrast to okay. other countries. Right. I think, that's a, I think it's a false economy. I just think that'll just wind you up even more. Okay. You know, it's obvious. But, yeah. You know, I think we will just bash our heads against the wall continuously. We just keep comparing ourselves to, you know, for a while it was, it was so funny. You know, when you look at, at the phases of how the pandemic has changed in different countries and, you know, for ages it was, look at Sweden, look at Sweden, look at Sweden. And then yeah. Sweden just went, oh yeah, we've made an absolute arse of this. We should have shut down a long time ago. Yeah. You know, their cases ran out of control. Holland did the same thing. Their country has fallen apart. Literally, yet another coalition government and their cases were absolutely out of control. Now, as of two weeks ago, you've bars and restaurants just saying, sorry, time's up, lads. We're opening up next week. And a lot of bars just opened up last week against the law, you know, you know, so mm. I think comparing to other countries is just, I don't care. I just want them to do and operate, at, to, you know, with what's on front of them. And Jesus Christ, listen to the will of the people. Yeah, like, someone said to me yesterday, some, someone said yesterday they'd love to be told, would you just tell us something we can do? If you tell us we can do nothing, we're going to break the rules. Just tell us what we feckin' can do. And I was down with, as I said, I was going out for a smear test there a while ago. And the woman doing me smear, she nearly cried because she said it'd be hard for me to describe the amount of people who want to help with the vaccines but there's so much red tape of courses they have to go through and forms and there's so much shit they have to go through that they can't be bothered it's it's not worth their while everything I mean everything they've done I mean to, to, to loop back into you know the events industry and 
and thinks, you know, I, I, I spent a first go, good chunk of my time either lobbying personally with people that I have good relationships with in government or generally helping out on introductions and just trying to help our industry, uh, you know, get back on its feet. And the thing about our, what we kept saying about the event, the live events and entertainment industry was just, uh, look, lads, we get it. We know we're closed. We 100% get it. We're not we, We're not like, the you know, other sectors, be it hospitality or hairdressers mm. and barbers who want to come back and buy. We, we know we're closed. We get it. So what we want to do is uh, put the supports in place to keep us here so that when we can open up safely, yeah. we're still in a financial and a mental health position to reopen. That's the case for absolutely hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of, of small SMEs and sole traders and people yeah. who run the uh, live events and entertainment industry. It's just, they're shagged. And, and then they, they, they'll set up a, a task force. We all lobby to be part of the task force. That's all great. All the submissions are put in. Everything we want is put in. We People, when I say we, I mean, you know, I've submitted stuff to people who submitted, you know, I'm not directly do, involved in any of that. Yeah. And and they come away and they go, yeah, we're, we're really confident that we'll, we'll get this. And then they announce and they have, a, they have a headline and that's all they want because they can't help playing politics, even with people's lives and their industry. So they just can't help themselves. Yeah. 50 million for the live entertainment and events industry. And when you go through it again and... They put in, it gets chewed up by civil servants and by inland revenue and what comes back out and is presented. In effect, we uh, figured within our industry that, uh, particularly in live concerts, and, and those are people that freelance in that work, yeah. 70% of those people will not be able to apply for any of the assistance available because they put in stupid stuff like... Uh, oh well, your criteria you must meet X, Y, and Z, and that's fine. We don't need the criteria. We're not. No one's just looking for free money. But then they put in they put in a clause in the last round where you have to have a rateable premises. You know, so that means you have to be. Our government sees a the end doesn't understand the entertainment industry for a start. Yeah. So everything you know, you must have an, an office or a warehouse or a premises or, you know, that you pay rates to your local councillor, you know. On the other hand, they've spent the last five years talking up the gig economy, telling us we're fucking great, and when it comes to the crunch to help us out, anyone in the gig economy is sitting on a laptop in their kitchen and has been for the last five or ten years. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you, Buzz, Buzz, I'm here in my car, in my makeshift studio, talking to you because this is what I've done to survive. I've turned my car into a studio when it's not on the road to survive the last year. I have friends who have spent their lives in Panto, say, for example. They do not know how to fill out the form to get the five grand to upskill or to whatever that the arts are trying to throw at them. It's the people who know how to fill out forms will get these millions as usual and it will never reach the artists um, at the lower level. It crushes my heart. Yeah, and we spend so many times. I mean, you know, a very senior um, person in the government asked for some talks on blah, blah, blah. So I, what started out as an email the other day turned into, a, what you know, if I was back in school, it would be eight full scaps long. Yeah. I mean, I just let fly with everything. And, you know, stuff like be tax compliant and everybody obviously wants to be tax compliant. That, that should be a given. But the reality is that we'll pay our tax as much of it as we can come last November. And, and let's say personally, this is what happened to me. I owe them, a, you know, I'm not going to say small figure 
going into the following year and I would pay it and that's fine. Pandemic hit all my money and I mean all my money came out of my bank account because I had club nights and events on sale all had to be refunded. I had no money to pay the tax man. There's a big headline. You can warehouse your tax for a year. Everything's fine. Nobody's going to be coming looking for free money. That is not the actual reality. No. Because I was a few grand over from the previous year and have not had a chance to pay it, my tax is not being warehoused and they will come looking for it very, very shortly. I don't know what they're going to do or what they're going to take. But again, go from one headline and the headline is, well, nobody has to pay tax this year. That is a barefaced lie. Yeah, and they'll punish you and your few pennies that you owe and some big dog in NAMA will get away with it and it'll be written off. Oh, absolutely. I, I'd love to know how you get your tax written off. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated when I read these stories and see these headlines. So, you know, love to know. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're at the wrong level. So where do we go from? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do we just try and keep our spirits up, stay creative and... Would we be better off if we just froze like you did for that month last year and you disconnected for your soul? Like, I'm worse than you. Like, I did live gigs to 40 and 50 people with my stand-up show during COVID. I've done a podcast every week trying to generate stuff. I've built a studio so I can do my voiceovers. I'm writing stuff. I'm writing scripts left, right and centre to try and get funding and to try and have stuff ready when it all comes back to fruition. I should be just sitting on my hole drinking sangria, like... Yeah, you know, I mean, the huge worry we have in our business, and this question was asked directly by the member of the cabinet, and they asked me directly, do you think when we get reopened, there will be enough venues, clubs, bars survived for there to be a viable industry again? I was flabbergasted by that. I was just like, you're asking me. Here's a little little thing. It's your goddamn job to ensure there is. So get your finger out and make sure there is. Because I know within the business, the horse trading that's going on right now, there's nobody announcing that they're closed. I can tell you that I know of 15 to 20 bars, restaurants, nightclubs in Dublin city centre. And I mean in a very small two square miles that are gone. They are either going to get taken back by the bank they're going to get turned into a coffee shop or somebody else in a bigger group might might just gobble them up but that's the sort of stuff is going on behind closed doors right now there are places folding left right and center and they don't want that 
of course, as a headline. No, they don't. Do you know what cracks me up, though? Mr. Buzz O'Neill, who swanned out of school and playing with records and getting into the music industry, you could run this country better than any of those knob jockeys. I would run this country like I'd run one of my clubs and it would be an amazing two weeks and then it would be all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, I, bet, I bet it would be a commercial success, though. And, uh, yeah. and everyone would have a great time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I'd have to leave it to someone else to clean up the mess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You don't keep going in that industry for this long because it's a tough industry, event management. Yeah, absolutely. And you're literally a bit of a cliche, you know, footballers, you know, use it all the time. You're only as good as your last game. You're literally only as good as your last gig, you know. Your, your last events, your last thing, you know. You, and you get hired from, you know, almost not... Yeah. literally but almost from you know event to event you know but you under, you understand the PR side of it and having to sell stuff you understand the like you could probably run the events of vaccinating people better than they're being run by the government ah listen listen we've made and I, when I say we I mean collectively I don't mean me individually I mean everyone within the events industry from massive concert promoters to event managers to site builders to health and safety Everyone has approached since December, let's be honest, and, and even before, it, about rolling out the vaccination program for them, by them, with them, whatever way you want it to look. And the attitude from the government was very simply, we've got this. Wow. And that was it. Now, behind the scenes, and I'm not speaking out of school, there's a huge catch up going on. And I think you will see some people from our industry coming to the fore and getting stuck in there i know there are a lot of people uh, dealing with the you know the, what the government wanted to do hsc nefes army um, and that was it we know what we're doing i also said to one other minister uh, i said i'm going to screen grab this text and i'm going to send it back to you in five months and that was at the start of january i said because i promise you what you just told me will not be realistic uh, by may wow and it's already coming to pass, you know. Because you actually, like, the, the vaccine needs to be run like a ploughing championship or a final or an oxygen. It just needs to be properly Listen, run. Listen, we put 80,000 people in and out of Crow Park every time. We had an egress for the last Crow Park. I think that broke all our records. Sorry, an egress is our, you know, you're exiting of a bit. So from the time the band leaves the stage to you're standing outside waiting for your bus or your taxi on, on Clonliffe Road. Yeah. You know, almost 80,000 people in a very safe manner in 20, 21 minutes. You know, that might seem nothing to the general public. To us, that is months and months of planning and of doing it repeatedly and again and again and again making it better from the last time what exit didn't float this air you know yeah. the nuts and bolts of running events is what we do Jesus yeah. Christ apply that to us give us a field we'll have 10,000 people through a day in five different sites we can yeah. easily easily achieve that and they won't be <laughs> dealing with drunk people they're not dealing with no these are willing, compliance people out there are eager, you know? Yeah. I have a friend speaking to somebody in Manchester yesterday uh, in one of the mass test centres, and they are doing 10,000 people a day in, in, in Manchester, which yeah. is why the UK figures are hundreds of thousands a day. But the, pro 
problem again now is that the Irish government slash whoever they've hired and the people that are supposedly going to roll, roll all this out now are doing now what we asked them to do last December and January. And right. just, you know, I walked away from it at one stage. I, I made some introductions. People weren't talking to her as quickly as they should. I pulled a few people aside, made them have that conversation. And I stood away. I said to my husband, I said, I need to stay the hell out of this because this is just going to drive me insane. Oh, so, yeah. God. And it's, Someone it's, else's it's, headache. Back to that nurse I was dealing with about an hour ago. Like, she reiterated everything you said. It's just, it breaks her heart. She spent so much time cancelling people that have booked in to come in and get the vaccine because the mess up of, of the stuff coming in. Um, it's not on. Come here, on a light-hearted note, who would be the biggest pains in the hole you've come across in the industry of your decades of working with? Like, give us a few nice name drops. And maybe keep the bad ones for your book if you want to, in case you, you never work oh, again. Yeah, no, you know, I'll never write the book. Everyone keeps saying, when are you going to write the book? I'll never write the book. I like... Okay. Uh, if, you, if you kiss and tell in this job, you don't get hired. No. Okay, well, who are the gems? I've done, I've done everything for everybody, from 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 bloody rock stars to presidents. You know, we've yeah. I've seen them all, come across them all. They're all most likely. This is weird. That this just popped into my head now. Yeah. Because this involves your husband. Oh, weird. Go on. I don't name your husband, right? Oh, name away, name away, Mister Scott it, Fenwell. It was one of the absolutely most disappointing encounters I had with someone that I absolutely idolised come here by any chance was it Ian Brown Ian Brown thank you Norma oh my god go on and I remember getting that call over the radio and Scooter sorry we call Scooter and Scooter is like I'm not going to attempt to do my terrible Aussie accent I'm like, not either Scotty Stefano over here and a couple of us just went over to uh, where, where Scott was where Ian Brown was calling him all sorts of a paddy see you next Tuesday so, yeah. so the first thing I pointed out was well firstly mate he's Australian secondly you're a dick and you need to stop talking to him like that he was just obstreperous and you know yeah. but, and I know that I know all the rest of the rose was really well and when we went to see I for once I didn't want to work the Phoenix Park gig when they got back together because I wanted to go and you know and to see Manny and then all the rest of the boys and it's brilliant and I just have now written uh, from then I'd, I'd written Ian Brown off but you know he's proved himself to be spectacularly bonkers during Am I right though that it sounds like he was possessed he was either coming up from coming up or coming down uh, yeah, from something possessed out of, out of, off his head you know uh, yeah. listen off his mind but sure I've been off me mind many many times and I still don't speak to people like that That's true <laughs> they, they, like uh, Scott described it as a like a black aura that you just was yeah. circling the man and there was demons coming out of him. Yeah. And LA's a trip, you know. LA's a bit of a head trip. It's funny. But for me, I'd be music before film. Yeah. I adore film, but I'd be, you know, I would like proper idolising rock stars and musicians yeah. and stuff. But, you know, yeah, there'd be a lot of Hollywood moments and they'd be very, very Hollywood where I opened the door of a car on a red carpet and at the Beverly Hilton and a particular gentleman jumped out and I referred to I said hi good evening I'm Buzz I am looking after you while you're coming up your carpet and I referred to him by his first name and he reminded me that uh, uh, he, you're in Hollywood now son and um, I am Mr. X to you oh what a plonker wow uh-huh. yeah 
yeah, I still throw things at the telly when I see them uh, still. Oh, but, uh, wow. That, then, like, know, that's going to, that's going to, you, you have to spend the rest of the evening with that cock then, like. Yeah, yeah, I'll listen, you know, wide berth for the rest of the evening. But then you get to do the things like you see other people do in the movies and you don't realise you've done them until it's over yeah. and you're walking through a kitchen at an award ceremony with an entourage for Tom Cruise and, yeah. and, and then you walk him out to his motorbike hand him back his helmet there's many gags there let's stay away from those <laughs> and and you hand back Tom Cruise his helmet and he gets back on a motorbike and speeds off into the night and you go back to your job and then you're just like that was just like one of those walk through the kitchen scenes and yeah. it was real so you get it you know it's funny or you find yourself funny people but they're just people but yeah. very famous and outrageously eccentric and rich and you find yourself in their houses sometimes maybe at a little event or a private party or something gotcha and, and then you realise that they all have to shit and pay taxes don't they absolutely and it's funny they're the ones that kind of corny it for a real just down to earth honest chat and yeah. I will always give them that you yeah. know yeah. Um, at a party or something and, and you know I'm just like Jesus I'm just a chump from, from Balbriggan you know what the hell am I doing here you're not I you tell you I adore you Buzz I swear to God okay. I've, I've known you so many years and like I mightn't see you for literally years and you just light up a room you can see why you're so good in PR and event management. People are drawn to you. They listen to you. And you're so blunt and honest. And like, you know how to have a good old bitch and a laugh as well, if, if it's if it's necessary. Um, but come here, who, what, what kind of guests turned up that would freak you out? Like, say, say if it was a, you know, you two were playing, but then suddenly some athlete is on the guest list. Did you ever get uh, problems with uh, donkeys on guest lists acting the maggot? Oh, listen, all, all the time, but I'll give you an actual true story because my musical, absolute musical heroes and favourite band in the world uh, back in 1982-3 uh, were the Human League and they still are today. Mm. And I adore the league. And while I was working in full time in the office in, in MCD and they were playing the Olympia, they haven't played quite a long time. And I'm sitting in my seat. To, um, I might have even bought tickets, even though I worked for MCD. I didn't have that. But I, I remember sitting upstairs and uh, Aidan Lee, the production manager, uh, comes and just taps you to his career, come here for a minute. And I thought there was something to do with work. I was also doing the, the, the PR for the gig. And he walked me past his production office and straight almost pushed into the dressing room. You know, this is Buzz, you massive fan. He works for us. Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, I hate a vision. And I stood there, open mouthed, like an absolute gobdoll, and just went, I love you. And <sighs> nothing else to say to them. <sighs> I could have talked about the B-side to being boiled. I could have talked about, you know, what every album, everything they've ever recorded. Oh, nothing, Norman, oh, nothing. Well, I did that to Roy Keane once. I saw, I met him in an airport and I just stood there and started shaking because he's my, what's it called, your one pass that you're allowed to have an affair with that you can get away with? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Scott is allowed to have, um, oh, what's, is it Naomi? Natalie Portman. And I'm allowed to have Ray Keen. Okay. That's Good man, Scott. Wow. It's called a hall pass, isn't it? Hall pass? Is the it? hall pass, yes. Hall yeah. pass. So, yeah, no, so there, there's been lots, there's others. Yeah. You, you, you could find yourself, you do find yourself again, as I said, in the very strangest of situations. That all seems a bit surreal. And you're like, all right, there's, that's, that's, wow, that's, and you're like, you, I absolutely love, especially Hollywood, uh, doing the, 
the ignore, the pretend you don't know routine <laughs> people. And I think the mega stars like kind of appreciate it. Yeah. I literally have been in a bar let's say particularly if you're in a bar cut situation or you know, company yeah and, and you're just like cool and you talk about absolutely every single subject except who they are what they do or the business and, that, you know that's I, like me you know, I sat next to Bono I sat next to Bono in Avoca um, a couple of years back like and we were at the table next to him for a whole hour and just didn't acknowledge didn't make eye contact you know wouldn't give him the sort of it wouldn't give him the sort of it no <laughs> no absolutely not no well come here the fact that you're never going to write the book you're, no. And you sound in great form and we will get, as shit and all as Ireland is, we will all get vaccinated. I am going to turn up to the openings of envelopes from now on, literally, to get out of the house. So I do think there's going to be a thirst there to get out when we can get out eventually. There is, absolutely. And I think, you know, six, nine months ago, you asked me, or particularly six months ago, I think everyone in our industry was a bit worried. About, no, do you know what? This is going to change how everything is done. I am, it is in to certain aspects. Uh, but we were very worried, and I was particularly worried that it was going to change people's attitudes to going out and socialising and being in big crowds and all of that. I have completely done a 360 on that, yeah. having taken the temperature of, of well, not even just friends, but definitely of, of customers and people that come to my clubs and, yeah. you know, talking to them in different groups. And people are rabid to yeah. go out. Like yeah. Just. Yeah. No. I, I could see me like I'm. I'm. I'm no uh, spring chicken, but I could see myself just dying to get into a moshing in a crowd with people's sweat dripping on me. I would love to be able to reference the name of the TikTok woman, but my husband did show me she's a Northern Ireland woman. She uh, middle aged mum. She might be called or something on TikTok. Go on. And and her just he just he Peter was just like here look at this and she just went her to me see you your way way once see you now. When this is over, no, no nightclubs for you, no bars. We're coming back. We're taking over. <laughs> We're going to make an absolute show of ourselves. Move aside, forty plus only. Oh my God! It's all right because we're going to have to show them how it's done. They're all fucking yeah. snowflakes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, sure. My sister got her her kids to sit down and watch normal people because she feels they're missing a whole uh, hormone period and that they're only looking at crap online. They, she said, "Sit down there, watch normal people, and see what a normal bit of teenage honka honka is about." Oh, stop! Yeah, that. yeah. Anyway, I'm going to let you go because I've kept you way too long, and um, I, I, I generally I generally keep it to about fifteen twenty minutes, but you're um. Oh. I, 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 no, well, no, 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 but like, I mean, I could keep you for five more hours if I could get more dirt out of you, but the fact that you're not going to write the book, no. I, I might as well let you go. <laughs> so come here, um, make sure you put me on that guest list. I'll pay my way in. I'll, I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay double to get in anywhere. Please keep me posted if there's anything happening. I'll even go to see if your band, your original band got back together when you were a teenager. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that, Nora. No, I fucking would. I fucking would at this stage. <laughs> uh, if you really want it, if you really want to embarrass me, you can somewhere on YouTube Google the angelic toenails. There that... is an RT uh, oh my God. TV appearance in, in somewhere around 1989, possibly. <laughs> There's no angelic toenail out there. That is the most disgusting name I've ever heard. <laughs> My toenail, my toenail came off under a door once as I was running into yoga class. There's no, who thought of that name? That is disgusting. That was me. 
Oh, the angelic toenails. Is it to do with sucking toes or doing something weird with toes? What the heck? Right, we'll leave it there. Leave it there. All right, Buzz. Thank you so much. Um, I am so grateful. Um, Let me see now. Let me check. Did I record? Stop it. Don't do that. (laughs) Let me see now because I'm great at event management. Oh, we have it in the bag. I should have pretended it didn't record. (laughs) Then you would have seen the other side of him. Yeah, if anyone can find angelic toenails out there please please send to me on uh, healyourhole.com that website thing I have whatever it is because um, I couldn't find it and uh, I really want to see his rock band so if you enjoyed the episode please tell your friends share like follow subscribe that stuff apparently it helps me and it's all free and if you didn't enjoy the episode shut your hole and uh, yeah no idea what I'm going to do next week sure whatever what will be, will be? we should all be dead we could all be dead and okay thank you over and out 